0: You're listening to Doll Capital. You're with Ben, coming to you from the main streets of Canberra in the ACT. Hopefully it will be an entertaining or interesting chat or motivating for all you cage-rattling tragics. On this show, can members have power in a union? We'll be talking to our special guests about recent union elections in the Community and Public Sector Union, the PSU Group, and much more. But first... Patron, this show wouldn't have been possible without our patrons and supporters. You can show your solidarity at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Capital. D-O-H-K-A-P-I-T-A-L. Please like, share and subscribe to our show and leave a review on your preferred podcast application. Thank you to our supporters who have helped us with our broadcast hosting fees and equipment. Your support helps motivate and resource us to make more content. Before we get going, we're recording on Ngunnawal land and pay our respects to their Elders' past, present and future, whose sovereignty was never ceded and who we express our solidarity with struggles to end the continuing injustices for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. We'd also like to express our solidarity and horror at the situation in Palestine. All human life is the same and injustice is never justifiable. Support calls for a ceasefire and ending our government's military and financial support for the criminal Israeli state. Call on your MP to do more, and let's stop our government allowing war crimes to happen in our name. Get to solidarity events where you can, and where they happen, or what things you're asked to do to build support. We can all make a difference. One. Well, hello, I'm talking with special guests Jordana Colvin and Chris Warren who were key activists in the recent reform ticket campaign that campaigned under the name of Members United in the Community and Public Sector Union's PSU Group's of national elections.
1: Welcome to Dole Capital. Thanks very much, Ben.
0: Thank you for joining us. And um, we, we hadn't an attempted at this probably about a month ago, but now we're actually... Um, problems at my end with, it, with the tech, but we're now getting to do it. And we, we now get to look over the tea leaves and look at the results. And we'll um, have a good chat about... What happened with the election and, and things going forward now Jordana ran for an assistant secretary position for the CPSU which is part of the uh, executive committee that runs the day-to-day national operations of the community and public sector union and Chris ran for re-election for a, a governing council uh, delegate spot with the ACT government um, section um, full disclosure, as regular listeners know, I am a supporter of a more democratic and assertive unionism in Australia. This show has always been about struggles and ideas for democratic socialism. So this is an activist podcast, not journalism. As such, as a member of the CPSU, I supported the Members United campaign. So just getting it out there, I'm uh, a cheer squad guy, yeah? <laughs> but that's what we do. Um, look, in terms of just kicking off the chat, Chris and Jordana, Union elections are rarely covered in mainstream media in Australia, whether it's uh, legacy media or even in new media. They're also rarely contested, and not really followed in in many sort of big way. Particularly of my experience of this. Um, This particular election in the Community and Public Sector Union received a lot of coverage and interest well beyond what you'd normally expect for the CPSU. Now, for CPSU, by by a background for our listeners who aren't aware, is a union that represents federal and uh, territory public sector workers from clerical and administrative also to other various areas in communications, some of the legacy areas in uh, Telstra and the ABC, and the Northern Territory government and uh many more. So with this election the the interest that went well beyond Canberra, which is normally what you'd expect, that there'd be some coverage. Um can you tell our listeners why you think this recent CPSU election had such interest and why the issues that were raised by members of United during the campaign were of interest and uh, still remain important. So what what do you think there was such interest in it, Jordana?
2: Well, I think as I think as unionists, we did something very unexpected. Uh, it was first time in 18 years that a election like this had been fully contested in our union, and you know, it was it wasn't widely circulated amongst journalists. Um, but for the select journalists that did become interested in it, they became very interested in it, um, which was fantastic because we had um, consistent coverage of something that you know we thought originally we might only get one or two bites of the cherry of so that was uh, pretty cool um I don't know why they cared about it so much um but I can obviously guess and I think part of it is about you know the the federal bargaining coinciding with uh the election period and so it created such a compelling narrative for those people who were interested and who were affected so mostly public servants but that's quite a big number in this country which is great and I think the other like the other part of it might go to something that's happening more broadly in unionism globally we saw the United Auto Workers you know have a rank and file. Uh, a rank and file um, takeover of their union in the United States and they turned around and within a few months were taking widespread effective industrial action and their new leader of their union was like very openly supporting incredibly um, militant union tactics and uh incredibly left-wing progressive social causes such as palestine and so i think the eyes were on the cpsu in a way to see if we could replicate that or pick up some of the momentum that was happening from there i think people were interested in seeing whether this whether that would translate into the australian context so probably a mixture of those things chris what do you think
1: we were was something to the effect of you know most people would not have understood or, or known um, that Melissa Donnelly was a member of the ALP's national executive, and we, we called on her to resign. Um, you know, we, we went out and we condemned the leadership for the decision to accept Katie Gallagher's deal in the final week of ballots. You know, th- there was so much that we put on the record that I think that, um, you know, uh, people who are curious about these kinds of processes can really go now and research what were the material decisions that were made in this bargaining round? And it was something that couldn't be kept hush-hush or kept behind closed doors in a way um, that, that historically might have happened. Um, and it was very difficult for them to manufacture consent for it without, a, without an ultimate narrative. And I think that that's something that we should feel really proud of as well. Um, it's out there for the public view.
0: And look, some of that coverage we saw went beyond the, the usual sort of Canberra Times, uh, Riot Act and the like. We saw coverage in the the Financial Review, the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, for example. And and it was interesting with uh, some of the new media. There's a Reddit page for Australian Public Service which seemed to be taking a very keen interest in the Union election as well. So that was um that was pretty interesting. Any any highlights there of that sort of coverage? There was quite a lot of social media engagement with this one, which I was a bit surprised by, but it was also um Yeah, very positive to see that confluence sort of coming together.
2: Yeah, I think just to add quickly onto that, um, the Reddit provided a platform for a lot of union members who felt very disconnected in their workplaces to actually connect with other members. And, I mean, I'm sure this is a very big theme of the conversation we'll have, but it is clear that there is a huge appetite for connection amongst our membership and that the current CPC leadership has not done a very good job of making people feel like they're a part of something, that they have a voice. And so I think everyone agrees that, you know, we'd rather see um, people engaging in their workplaces and in forums that are more uh, more high stakes than Reddit. But because those don't exist for the overwhelming majority of members, then they feel compelled to have their say over and over again, sometimes daily on Reddit threads. And I think that's just, you know, like Reddit is fantastic for that. It is very much the 21st century equivalent of the workplace um, cooler talk. And the problem with a lot of people working from home right now is that that feeling of disconnection is amplifying in all spheres of work life and the CPSU has not done nearly a good enough job to try and mitigate that and try and organise, you know, around it or through it. So um, I think I think the Reddit was great is my short summary, but I also would like to see the Reddit grow and the people who were on the Reddit to, to connect with us more broadly because, there's only so much you can achieve when talking to people who either passionately agree with you or passionately disagree with you. There's usually no in between.
0: Now the results are the results are in, and while members united uh, ticket caused quite a bit of a stir and has contributed to a more debate in the CPSU and I guess in more pro- uh, broadly progressive forces beyond the ticket into other other unions. There's been quite a bit of interest amongst union activists in what was going on uh unfortunately members united did not secure election for the CPCU national executive now members united achieved around 30 to 40 percent of the vote for all the contested executive committee governing council that's the national delegate body for those people who are unaware and for section councils uh, who are well, section councillor positions you know, section councils are membership stream bodies are so sort of meant to be um, help coordinate activities say across communications that would be people with the uh the abc or or in uh, the act government it's people in the act government etc so 30 to 40 percent of the vote which is which was great um, there are a lot of positives that's um, very unfortunate we, you know those positions are win, win but there are very a lot of um, positives that members united could point to what what are the electoral positives that we can take from the
1: results chris maybe you can kick this one off yeah, so, I mean, look, I think that, that we, we need to contextualise, we all need to contextualise exactly what kind of uphill battle um, we were facing. Um, you know, the truth is, is that the, the group from, from the other side, the Progressive Caucus, um, they've been in power for about 30 years. And one of the benefits of being in power in a union for 30 years is that you establish your, your kind of faction um and you can basically through kind of faction fees or, or tithing or any other kind of process over a long time you can you can build up a pretty significant um campaigning war chests um so you know it was our view certainly that they uh were much better resourced than us um we could we could only afford to basically do a a one-third of the membership mail out and we were pretty lucky to get that um we Where you know, sort of in contrast, they could do not only a full member mail out, um, direct mail out, but they could also do targeted section level mail outs. We were where we were also running governing council candidates. Um, so they they spent Quite a bit of bit of cash. Um, and I, I estimate, you know, that they probably were outspending us about four to one. I couldn't say exactly the figure, but it would have been substantial based on the quotes that I saw for um for direct mailites. Um and you know, they they had other the other factors that um they're, they're just a, a bit like a more of a well-oiled machine than we were. We we stood ourselves up in 16 weeks. Um so The fact that we could pull together a group and pull together, um, you know, uh, as much money as we did and um, have such a robust um, campaign and get, you know, 30 to 40%, I think is actually, that's quite a strong result. And I think that that's a strong result because it resonates with what people are directly experiencing. They're seeing their standard of living go backwards um they're not feeling that the promise of a labor government that they'd heard for so many years is really delivering um but you know it 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 is the case when there there is a real asymmetry in resourcing that um unfortunately you know sometimes money wins and that's that's how it goes um but I think we what we've we've done in a really meaningful sense is raise a lot of consciousness to the fact that there is a critique that um, there is uh, uh, an alternate perspective. And now the leadership are in a really um, interesting position, which is, you know, I would say that over the next three years, they really have to find a way to deliver um, to improve members' standard of living, or otherwise I think our critique will only become stronger and the sentiment will shift. Um, you know, there are, there are many histories of, of, of trade union elections you know there there are histories of you know say Lindsay Tanner and the Federated Clarks' Union. He got twenty percent in his first run for the leadership of that union back in the day and um, won it in the next round. So you know if I was the leadership, I, I wouldn't be dismissive of Members United. I would start actually internalising the critique. I would start to think, well, you know I don't agree with them on everything, but what are they saying that is resonating? Um, what reforms do I need to make so that I'm not going to get roles in three years time, basically. That's, that's what I would be thinking about if I was them. Whether or not they'll learn the right lessons, I don't know. We certainly haven't had any, uh, any reach out from them to say, Hey, look, you know, we've, we've beaten you in the election, but we don't, we don't want, um, we don't want you to feel totally, totally alienated from your union. What can we do to bring you back on side? They haven't attempted to do that. So I, am not confident that they'll, um, learn the right lessons. And, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that that benefits Members United's position over the next over the next three years. That's right, and I think that was
0: one of the things listeners should keep in mind is that there hadn't been a full contested election, well, since
1: was it two thousand and five,
0: Chris? Two thousand and five. It
1: certainly was. Um, yeah, there were two tickets running at that time. I think it was uh, Members First, um, which which um, uh, our group Members United often was accidentally mislabeled as Members First, but it's a, it's a distinct distinct uh ticket uh and then there was also i believe the, the the ghosts were still haunting them i, I think I, that's likely there. it um it, then it was CPCU action um and 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 at our launch it was um it was quite fun we had um uh, a representative from members first and a, a representative from uh CPCU action the, the two dissident tickets in that election uh both from 20 years prior turned out to um to say hello so that was really quite nice
0: yeah, it's cool. And and look, I guess that's the other thing in terms of following up from what Jordana's said, in terms of like normalizing union elections, is really it's it should not be a big deal. Uh the fact that union elections are actually in Australia conducted independently by the Australian Electoral Commission, uh, is a good thing. And really, more people should take a more of a keen interest. I guess we've we've talked about in the past the phenomenon of, of the disconnection with unionism part of that is actually seeing uh, disconnection and almost deliberate, willful disconnection with the membership about the democratic affairs of uh, of the organisations, because well, basically people want to keep they want to keep their ass in their job. Um, there might be structural reasons as to why that culture has got more and more pervasive. Like I know from my own experience that uh, you could have be a um, come from the rank and file, get a, 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 a job as a union staffer, and then find it incredibly um, difficult to get leave without pay to go and do that. Um, I, I did that at one point, but more as a point, even if you couldn't access that as, a, as an entitlement, being able to actually get, go back to the workforce, um, going back to, you know, back to the tools, so to speak, quite difficult. So those are structural things. So I'm not excusing that sort of vested interest thing, but there is sort of, I guess, a structural reason why. Um, but I, want to, I wanted to get to the, the other thing I, I thought was really um, positive that, people could take away and, and learn from like i was just personally blown away by it. When, when chris and and giordano said to me we're door knocking um i was a bit taken aback by this because uh, while door knocking has been very much an accepted uh activity in australia mainly uh, unions doing third party campaigns and supportive um and by basically getting rid of a Liberal government uh, by de facto supporting a Labor Party campaign, cynically, I, I think. But anyway, door knocking has been a thing in electoral politics for, for some time, particularly in the last 20 odd years in Australia. But I'd never actually come across trade union as saying, actually, you know what, we've got the membership role. Uh, we've got to sign a piece of paper saying we're not going to abuse that uh, role and we're going to go and visit members and we're going to door knock and see how they went. That was really amazing. How did that go, Jordan? I know you had a lot of involvement in helping coordinate that. Um, I was just sort of, you know, struck by this is really, it's not just brave, but it was also an act of geniusness in terms of like actually getting there and actually talking to members because it's very difficult in a union election. Uh, those barriers are actually communicating with the membership because the, the, the communications are normally set by the union's rules about who gets to access the list and can we maybe run through some of those hurdles there and how we got around it in terms of uh that impact of ways that were, were different that people could um, probably learn from
2: absolutely i think that um i mean you, you said it yourself door knocking was you know absolutely wonderful and it was such a great experience i have done political campaigning door knocking and i've now done this and this was a million times better and it was because we had a genuine reason to talk to people and we were talking to people who, like, you know, in their own homes, which has become their workplace for a lot of people, at least partial, you know, their partial workplace. And I think that people, again, were so desperate for that connection to other union members. And so we had some incredible chats, you know. Some of them were, you know, so, some of them we were talking to people who were just like, couldn't believe we'd knocked on their door and in a good way, right? Like they were just, you know, a couple of people said, oh, I'll vote for you because you made the effort to come ask me um, what I think. And, you know, I think that's, that's, that's low hanging fruit. That was always nice though, but we actually got to talk through the structural issues of why we were running in the first place and how, yes, this is very unusual because this is the first time in 18 years, that this has happened, like a fully challenged election. And, you know, why might that be the case? And it was really great to have conversations with quite literally random union members because when we get the lists, we only get their names and addresses. We don't get agency details. We don't get, you know, ages, um, you know, level like APS or um, ACT public service levels, like we don't get any of that data. We just get, you know, quite a blank slate. So it was really good having quite a good co- cross section of the membership to talk to. Um, that's that is where we did door knock, which was mostly Canberra and um, I think uh, Melbourne and Sydney a little bit, mostly in the capital cities.
1: Uh, I think I think Brisbane was our only yes. one that we did. I don't know. Yes,
2: sorry. Um, I did. I forgot about Brisbane, of course. Yes. Um, But I think the like, you know, the reason we door knocked in the first place was because we were just so hamstrung by the resources that we did have. Um, Chris has already explained the, you know, the financial situation, but they don't make it easy for union members to communicate at the best of times, um, even in non-election times, you know. Uh, A lot of our Um, a lot of our people who were running in governing council positions, they were, you know, in a really difficult situation because they were, you know, not the incumbents and they had sections that had multiple agencies. And in uh, like a, a number of cases, we just simply didn't know which agencies were in which sections and CPSU just wouldn't provide that information. And so, you know, how can you possibly start to, you know, talk to people in a legitimate way, you know, not using union resources but also, like, you know, simply having um, having the information about who you're supposed to be representing if you're successful? Like, how, how can you possibly go about doing that if you, you don't know who those people are supposed to be? And I think that's really sad because it just shows how little the – the current leadership and the current structures value the um like value the uh, democratic structures of our union you know like if the sections are so um if the sections are so you know disconnected um you know many of them without section councils um or any sort of like infrastructure behind them to perform their democratic duties then you know, they clearly don't take those positions very seriously. So, my big yeah. hope is that they will. And now. I guess,
0: look, Chris, while we've got you, the other part aspect of that camp, uh, the on the ground doing the door knocking, I mean, there were like, what? Thousands of door knocks attempted, hundreds of conversations happening in door knocking, but also happening in the workplace type thing. The The other aspect of the campaign that would have been interesting is there's the CPSU for a long time has had this dodgy practice of lining up the biggest area of its coverage, the Australian Public Service's bargaining on a three-year cycle that just so conveniently lines up with the CPSU election. Now, uh, perversely, this blew up on them this time round because of what's been going on with the cost of living, what happened with the ACT government, uh, what we've seen there. Um, we, it has been pointed out that Members United rung its campaign probably actually had an impact in terms of what the federal government and the CPSU in terms of rushed and the pressure put on them. What what was
1: that in terms of um, what happened there? Yeah, it's interesting. So, look, I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily, say, you know, dodgy or anything that that, that it, it lines up in you know, it, it uh, uh, it's prescribed. You know, I think that my understanding is, is that there are pretty f- consistent cycles. But it, it, it is a well made point that it, it, it um it did coincide, um and it did blow up on them. Um, so you know there was there was a poll being run. I think it, it wrapped up on the twenty eighth of September. I'm pretty sure. Um, and it was it was do you want to accept Katie Gallagher's deal of eleven point two. Percent, and um, there'd been the initial, you know, APSC payoffer. Um, and sorry, pardon me. Um, there was uh, a slim majority in favor of um, that deal by the membership, but uh, it was also the case that I think the same day, the 28th, was when the uh nominations received report was issued for the elections, uh, and um, inexplicably, you know, uh, it seemed to be the case that uh, the leadership, having had a bit of a whiff that something was in the works, um, we'd, we'd um, done some media with the Canberra Times, basically kind of soft launching our group as Democracy for CPSU. They knew something was in the off and um, the, the decision was made to go with the minority position of the 48% instead of the majority position of the 52% to um, reject the deal and escalate action. And, and I actually think that we can take a lot of credit for that um, because I think basically what was happening, and it was our long-run strategy, that we, we felt that we had a good shot in the elections if the militant minority turned out for us. That is to say that the, 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 the subsection of the membership who are interested in doing strikes, who are interested in turning their union into a really robust fighting union. Um, We didn't feel that we necessarily had to go for every disengaged union member. We just had to find the people who wanted to fight and turn them out to vote. Um, And that's how we were going to win a majority in the elections. My cynical view is that they probably cottoned on that that was our strategy. And they went with the 48% and escalated uh, action so that they could uh, have the appearance of actually doing something. And when they kind of, once we'd gotten through the point where they had escalated action, and look to the credit, their credit, they escalated action. Um, you know, there was more protected action ballots, more agencies went on strike. Was it as far as I thought that it needed to go? No. Um, and by the really, really cynical manoeuvre was when they, most of the ballots had been cast, and then the APSC, rese- uh, you know, uh, issued their final third and final offer, which was the same deal, uh, but but with a new hat, um, classic Simpsons reference. Um, but it was with a, a minor sign on on bonus, and um, uh, they they recommended it back to the membership, and that came at a point where most ballots would have been cast, and I thought that was enormously cynical, and what it said to me was that uh, internal electoral pressure by rank and file activists will get you strike action, um, up until the point that they, you know, feel that they're no longer under any pressure and then they'll jettison it and and take the deal. Um, so, you know, that, that's what happened, but I think that democracy for CPSU and members United can take full, um, credit and full credit. Well, I should say full credit to all of the, the members, the hardworking members who went on strike, um, that was absolutely fantastic work from them, independent of whether they were involved in Members United or not, I should say that. Um, but I think that the leadership's calculation that they were making um, to do that escalation was probably reflective of the fact that they wanted to stave us off in the internal elections. So that's kind of my my appraisal of it.
0: Uh, just, what, what else do you think, in terms of the electoral uh, uh, results there, uh, what, what what else do you think we could take from that 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 bit of the the, um, the things we're going to learn from what's happened?
2: Um, pretty succinctly that we have such a, a good base to start from in three years' time. Uh, you know, we know that this is the first of regularly contested elections, certainly not the last. Um, and I think we've normalised union elections in our union. We've normalised democracy. For the CPSU, which is um, what it says on the tin of our caucus. So, very happy to have achieved that aim. Um, I'm reminded of a conversation I had with someone uh, quite early in the piece, so not too long after nominations got announced, and it was a CPSU organizer and a friend of mine, and they were like asking me if like I was okay. If, if I was having a mental breakdown because I'd nominated for um, Assistant National Secretary, and I said to them, I was like are, you, like, are you making the assumption that I'm very unwell because I've put my hand up for these elections? And they were like, yes, and absolutely accepted the premise of that. And I think that, no disrespect to that individual, but that was absolutely representative of how, unusual and completely foreign, the idea that some members would get together and do this. I have had a lot of people reach out to me since and say, whether it's really positively or somewhat critical, say, I can't believe you're doing this. This is, have you thought this through? Like, like, what's going on here? And, you know, a lot of people have said things along the lines of, oh, I could never do this. Like, good on you for doing this. Someone needed to. Um, You're so brave, all of you, for doing this, which I think is really funny. Um, But ideally, in three years' time, that's not so foreign anymore. I hope that there's a lot more of a um, willingness to put your hand up for elections, whether it's at the governing council and section council level or even at the national level. And so I hope... I like to think, and I definitely hope that we've normalised it so, you know, we don't have to overcome any of that incredulity. I think the next step is to overcome the idea that you have to be a career union official to be able to successfully run a union. And I think that's something, that legitimacy barrier is something that we faced, and we will have to spend the next few years proving that, yes, indeed, we can, and that involves a lot of conversations with a lot of people over the next three years. So I don't think the campaign ever really stops. It just dies down a little
1: bit. The The only thing that I, I would add is that um, I think that there are also lessons for the broader left as well, um, those who consider ourselves as having somewhat of a left orientation. Um, what I felt was that, um, you know, Democracy for CPC was a very broad-based organisation and it was... Um, you know, the coming together really of a, a bunch of different threads of the left and and people who don't don't necessarily identify with the left or, or identify as um, political, but the bulk of the membership were um, people who normally you don't always see them get on. Um, you know, we had Labour Party activists, we had Greens activists, we had um, you know activists from uh, various sort of minor minor left parties like the Freedom Socialist Party. Um, the Communist Party of Australia, um, we had, you know, folks who were sort of not party identifying, but, but were on the left um, from different traditions. You know, we had uh, socialists, communists, anarchists, uh, all, all sorts of folks from all different, um, you know, parts of the left. I, I think Solidarity had a, a couple reps, not reps, but so, uh, some of our members were from Solidarity as well. And, and, and I thought it was a really interesting space where it was you know non-sectarian um we all knew that we all had a stake together in working for a better union and some of the some of the um problems that you normally see on the left of folks not not getting along in any in any way um just those those problems didn't appear for us because at the end of the day we all knew that we had to work together to build this coalition of folks um that we could actually contest contest for the union's leadership and I think that, you know, I get the sense, I get the strong sense that that's a lesson for the Australian left more broadly. Um, if we can work together in the CPSU elections, we can work together more broadly. I think that there should be, this is and this is early days, but I'm starting to think that, you know, I, I genuinely believe that the rank and file strategy is the strategy for the Australian left. I think getting involved in the trade unions, setting up reform caucuses, um Having a broad-based campaign for union democracy that that links up some of these reform groups together in a way across the labour movement, I I think that would be very exciting. Um, and obviously, we'll determine in democracy for CPSU determine our uh, our strategy moving forward together collectively and democratically. Um, but you know, I'm I'm hoping that the Australian left, and I'm hoping that. I'm hoping that there'll be other reform groups appearing in other trade unions in Australia as well, and I hope that there can be cooperation across those reform groups as well. I think that would be quite um, quite an exciting thing.
2: I think that um, it's quite notable that some of the best uh, and, like, most strongest industrial action that happened was done by some of the Members United supporters and you new know, Members united back candidates, like at the Fair Work Ombudsman, um, Department of Employment and Workplace Relations uh triple I think it really goes to show that those people who supported Members United were first on the picket line willing to walk the walk and not just talk the talk and so I was really proud of every single person who took industrial action in our group and beyond of course but I also think that it just goes like it goes to show that the people who Members United appealed to were the ones who were leaders in their workplace and were willing to lead their union members into, you know, protected action. So definitely not definitely not something to scoff at and protected action is something that, you know, we would like to see more of similar to union democracy. So I think those two go hand in hand. Um so I think that the lessons learned are still to come for a lot of things. We definitely have just come out of this like very intense period. and so I know that my answer to this question would be very different in a couple of months' time. but you know the immediate things that come to mind is how early you need to start doing this stuff. you know as Chris pointed out, we did this in 16 weeks and that is incredible. So imagine what we could have done with three years of lead in time. And I think that uh, democracy for CPSU is not going anywhere. Um, In fact, our mission has only just begun. And I know that um, we're gonna be running a lot of different um, campaigns and we'll be meeting regularly as a caucus. So I would say that the best way for people to get involved if they voted for us, or if they wished they'd voted for us is to come along to our caucus meetings. Um, you can get in touch with us pretty easily through our Facebook or um, uh, our website. We have our contact details splashed all over there. And I think that if you don't know where to start to getting involved in your union in the way that we get involved in our union and you would like to caucus with us, you just have to reach out and we can you know, add you to the mailing list and whatnot. Because I, I'm speaking on behalf of like A lot of people who've said the same thing to me, but people are so happy and excited about the fact that they get to connect with other union members in different agencies, in different states, you know, on a regular basis and talk about the issues that are affecting all of us and how we can organize our union to be more effective. And so that's something that doesn't live and die with the election cycle. I would just say that I am so grateful to everybody who participated in our election campaign. We had, you know, people donating their hard-earned money. We had people letterboxing for us um, in some very hilly suburbs as well. We had people giving up, you know, their weeknights to caucus and to plan and to do all kinds of odd jobs. We had people sacrifice what little you know, mental health they had for the Reddit wars that uh, ensued. And I think that we had this, like, fantastic sense of um, cooperation and solidarity around building a movement that we know will only grow. It certainly will not go away. And not a single person um, from uh, Members United slash Democracy for CPSU um, is... uh, downtrodden about the results. We are, you know, disappointed, but we're certainly not done. And uh, we will be back bigger than ever. And I really hope that the current CPSU leadership, um, the re-elected leadership, and their supporters do not uh, turn a blind eye to us, because you can engage with us now, or you can engage with us in three years' time when we Pose a significantly bigger threat to you. So that's my fighting words.
0: That's it for the show. Thank you again to Chris Warren and Jordana Colvin for their time and patience as I uh, battled away with internet <laughs> hiccups throughout the recording. But hopefully you've enjoyed. We've got everything we really needed to get said in that episode. Um Season's greetings to everyone out there and all the best for the new year. You've been listening to Dole Capital.